I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and open to the book of Ephesians. We are on week five of a series we began four weeks ago, looking at what we've called it homework, looking at renovating our relationships. But we began a study here looking at renovating our relationships, especially the relationships in our homes. We recognize that the great divider is sin. Sin from its very beginning when mankind first fell into sin. It broke our relationship with God and then as well put wedges in our relationships with one another. And so what we have aimed to do here as we come to this passage in Scripture, Ephesians 4 through 6, is to look to remodel our relationships and align them with the Word of God because here we have the master design from the master designer. What are we to be like? What are our relationships to be like? And I think that this section in Ephesians chapter 4 through 6 is perhaps the greatest uh, manual for good relationships ever written. These past four weeks have been a challenging study for all of us. I have heard that from so many of you, and it is for me as well, because we are sinners, and and whenever you put sinners, multiple sinners under one roof, you've got problems. All of us have discovered there are things that need to change, things that need to go, new things that need to come. It's challenging because God calls us to think and act in ways that are vastly different from our natural inclinations. And it's very different as well from the culture around us. But if we will put these things into practice, I am convinced it will make marvelous differences in us, in our lives, in our relationships, and as well, we will bring glory to God. I so appreciate, as I said earlier, not only this church, but appreciate our staff uh, Pastor Aaron has been here 10 years. He's the new guy. Uh, he spoke last week and did such a marvelous job finishing up the little section on marriage. And uh, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It's well worth your time, as really this whole series is. But today we come to Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 3. And we step into the arena, into the realm of children and parents. And my original plan was to deal with this subject as one message. And I decided this week to break it into two. If you're one who likes to take notes and you've been taking notes in a little book, you're going to find yourself out of a page because taking today's message and splitting into two. We're going to just cover this morning verses one through three. Next week we'll cover verse 4 and we will finish this study on homework and remodeling our relationships. The children today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in the place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their household. 
They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents. They chatter before company. They gobble up dainties at the table and they tyrannize their teachers. Sounds a lot like what some might say of kids today. This was written by Plato, quoting Socrates, around 450 B.C. Amazing. Struggles between the generations, struggles between parents and children, really is nothing new. It's as old as human families because, as I said earlier, sin is the great divider. So as long as sin has been in the world, which began with the first family, there's always been struggles between parents and children. G.K. Chesterton, just over a hundred years ago, a prolific author and philosopher, wrote this. He said, I believe that what really happens in history is this. The old man is always wrong. And the young people are always wrong about what is wrong with him. The practical form it takes is this. While the old man may stand by some stupid custom, the young man always attacks it with some theory that turns out to be equally stupid. So it is. Uh, Just this week in conversations with people, three people, I didn't bring up the subject, three different parents talk to me about struggles they are having with their children. If this is the situation between parents and kids, what hope is there? Well, it shouldn't surprise us that when the Scriptures speak to us as believers in Jesus Christ and talk to us about relationships, as we've seen here in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 and now moving into chapter 6, It shouldn't surprise us when it addresses the relationship between children and their parents, calling upon us both as children and as parents to change our behaviors and our attitudes, to remodel our relationships, to build good relationships. And these good relationships between parents and children are also essential to build up and to grow children well. This is why I'm calling this morning's message as we focus on children building well. Since it's a short passage, I want us to read it together. Hopefully you have your Bible open, but since we we have many different translations that we are using, I'm putting it on the screen. I'd like for us to read this passage together. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There are only two commandments here in this passage. The first commandment we find in verse 1, and it is addressed to children and says, children, obey your parents. That word obey in the original language in Greek is really two words put together. 
And literally, the word means to hear under. Those two words, hear under. And the first thing I want us to notice is that obedience is connected to listening. We are called here as children to listen. And obedience requires listening. It's connected to it. I was once a kid a long, 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 long time ago. I raised two children. I have the blessing of having six grandchildren and being involved in their lives. I spent the better part, the majority of my adult life as a youth worker, as a youth pastor. So I've been around a lot of kids. And I know very well the tendency that kids have to tune out their parents so that all they hear in their ears is wah, 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 wah. For those of us who are old enough to remember the old Peanuts movies, all of the adults in the Peanuts movies, all you hear when they talk is wah, 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 wah. There was a reason they did that. (laughs) And one of it is that's all the kids hear very often. So kids, what he's saying is you need to listen. You need to listen to your parents. Take out the earbuds. <laughs> Set down the phone. Put the video game on pause and listen. You cannot obey your parents if you don't actually listen to them and what they have to say. Listen to all of it. The Bible calls children to do that. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds or listens to his father's instruction. The second thing, going back to this command to obey Recognizing that word is both the word to hear or listen and also involves this word to hear under. Means to submit to their authority. It is recognizing that you are under your parents' authority and you are to submit to that authority. You are to do what they say. Which raises a question, a big question with kids, especially through my experience with teenagers. Once you bring this up, the kids want to know, okay, because every kid, especially every teenager, is a budding lawyer. And so they want to know, wait a minute, what's the statute of limitations? When does this command to obey my parents end? And I think it's a great question. The implication here with these words is that we are to obey our parents as long as we are under their authority. We are to hear, to listen, under. So then when are we no longer under our parents' authority? We're under their authority as long as we are a child. This is addressed to children. But when is a child not a child? So when is a child no longer under the authority of their parents? 
You are a child, I think, according to this. You're considered a child here at least until you are, number one, responsible legally for your own actions. In other words, that nothing you, no mistakes you make, no trouble you cause, no wrong that you get involved in comes back upon your parents. There is an age for that in our state. It is the age of 18, which, by the way, makes no sense to me when in our state, at the age of 17, a child can be liberated from their parents' authority. And yet the parents are held liable until they are 18. A little loophole in the law, but not in the favor of really anybody. You're a child at least until you are legally responsible for your own actions. At age 17 and 11 months, you go commit a crime. Your parents can be held liable. At the age of 18 and a day, they cannot. You are held liable. Interesting. But there's more than that. You are considered a child not only when you are legally responsible for your own actions, but also you are a child until you are fully responsible physically and financially for your own provision and your own care. In other words, you might be taller than your parents. Most kids are. You may surpass them in math skills or in some other subject matter. You may feel like an adult. You might even be living away from home at college. But if you are dependent on their provision and care, then you aren't an independent adult. And I believe God calls for you to be accountable to and to obey your parents. That's a shock to many folks to hear. But I think that's what the Word of God teaches. Verse 1 then goes on to explain what this obedience looks like. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Two implications from that little phrase, in the Lord. The first implication of that is that you are to, by, me, by saying in the Lord, it means you are to obey because you are in the Lord. In other words, if you are here this morning, young person, and I realize that many of our kids are downstairs, so moms and dads and all the rest of us have to teach the other kids. Many of them can't read and many of them won't read, and so that's why it behooves all of us to be those who teach and encourage our kids, which is why we're teaching this lesson to you, even though most of you are adults. <laughs> but if you're here this morning, you're listening this morning, you are a young person, you say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. Then because you are in the Lord, you are to obey your parents. Why? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are to be a follower of Christ. You are to follow His example. It is amazing when you think about it. Jesus Christ was God who became man. God in the flesh. When God became man and walked among us, as John said, Jesus was a sinless, perfect man, embodying in Him 
still possessing all the glory of God. And yet, he had human parents. Human parents who were fallible, sinful, and imperfect. And the God-man submitted to fallible human parents. We know that. The Bible tells us. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Then he, Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them, his parents, Mary and Joseph, and was obedient to them. Some of the texts translate it and was submitted to them. If Jesus did it, we should too. Obey your parents. There's another implication of this little phrase, in the Lord. And that is we we are to obey as we would obey the Lord. If God was your father on this earth, you would be to obey your parents now just like you would obey him. You are to obey God and you're to obey your parents just like you would obey him. That sounds really weird because your parents are weird. Because your parents are old, because your parents are out of touch, because your parents are foolish, because your parents are wrong. But you are to obey them like you would obey God. Why? Romans 8, chapter 13, verse 12 says, There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. What God says there, and he's speaking about government authorities, but he's also talking about parental authorities. Every authority exists because God has put them in in authority, and when you are under their authority, you're to submit to their authority like you would submit to God. Wow. And so to disobey parents is to rebel against and to disobey God. And so again, because parents are natural lawyers, they automatically start looking for the loopholes. When can I disobey my parents? Is there any time where I can say, no, is it when my parents are wrong? And I can prove they're wrong. Look, Google says right here. (laughs) We know that Google is always right, right? When can, can, can you disobey then when your parents are wrong? No, you're still to obey them. There is, however, one exception. There is one biblical time when we are allowed to disobey our parents. You see, God is the ultimate authority. And when parental authority contradicts what God says, when any human authority contradicts what God says, we, as followers of God, should follow God instead of man. We talked about that just a week or two ago. We find that principle in the Scripture. The apostles in, the gospel, in Acts, they refused to follow the human authorities that told them you cannot preach in the name of Jesus, but they had a command from God, you must preach in the name of Jesus. They said we must obey God rather than men. And so... Kids, if your parents tell you to do something that God says don't do, or if your parents tell you not to do something that God says you must do, then you are at that point to obey God, not man. I just talked to someone this morning 
who had been in that position. There is a time when that happens to some children. What are they to do as a follower of Jesus Christ? They are to bravely stand and say, I can't do that. They are to do it respectfully. They must say, I'll obey God. How many times does that, does that happen? <laughs> I bet most of you can't find a time in your own experience. Some of you maybe. We must obey in the Lord. Because we're in the Lord and as we would obey the Lord. It continues and answers the next question that a kid would raise. Why in the world would I ever want to do that? Why should I obey the, my parents? And it answers that question. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What's the next phrase? For it is right. It is simply the right thing to do. You're to obey your parents because God said so. We always hate that answer. <laughs> we want answers. We want reasons. But he says simply because it's the right thing to do. Not because it's popular, because it's not. Not because you will feel like it, because you probably won't. But you should do it because God says you should. And I find as I study the Scripture, as you will find when you study the Scripture, that this is not a minor issue with God. It made number five in the list of ten commandments. And there are stern warnings in Scripture to those who disobey their parents, like this little gem from Proverbs 30. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Moms and dad, there's a verse for your refrigerators. <laughs> Might want to go home and you know jot that down, go home, print it out, and put it on there. <laughs> You know, our culture thinks that youthful rebellion is no big deal. It even says that it is normal behavior. And our culture often even encourages rebellion against parents. But God says it is sin. God says, when we read Scripture, it is a big deal. And the Scripture says here, it is harmful, even dangerous. That's the first command to children. There's a second command here in our passage this morning. First command, obey your parents. Oh, I forgot. I, I left out a verse here. And that is here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's a long list of things that describe how bad things are going to be before Jesus comes back. Right there in the middle of this list of awful stuff, Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, heartless, unappeasable, slanders, oh, blah, blah, blah. Right in the middle of it there, you notice there it says disobedient to parents. God says rebellion and disobedience to parents is a big deal. The second command is really, that's here, is really kind of similar to the first one. We find it in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. It's quoting here from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the, the fifth of the Ten Commandments. I notice as I look at this, while we noted that the, there's no conditions here, it doesn't say honor your parents if they're perfect. 
It doesn't say honor your parents if they're the best parents. It doesn't say you can not honor your parents if they just aren't good parents. There's no conditions. You're still to honor them because of their position as parents, even if they're bad parents. Romans chapter 13, we, I read a verse from Romans 13 a minute ago talking about authority. It says this, speaking of, again, all authority, governing authorities, everyone says, pay to all what is owed to them. It goes on, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We're to honor those who are in authority and we are to honor our parents. That raises the question, well, how am I to honor my parents? What does it mean when it says we are to honor our parents? What does that look like? How are we to honor them? We can answer that in a lot of different ways, but let me suggest four answers that come out of the larger text here that we've been looking at in this series. And I'm sure you can come up with more, but here's just four. First is this, honor appreciates. If we're going to honor our parents, it means that we are to be appreciative. We are to recognize how valuable our parents are. We're to take notice of everything that they have done and that they do for us, that they continue to do, what they, how they provide for us. They sacrifice. Parents sacrifice much. And most of us here, many of us here are parents. We sacrifice time and resources and energy. All of us need to recognize that and appreciate that our parents spend a lot of their life on us as children. And because of that, you be grateful and appreciative. Just a little note here to everyone who's a kid or ever been a kid. Your good looks, your charming personality, your marvelous talents, all put together, do not entitle you to free food, free lodging, free clothing, free care, Free fun. If you get those things from parents or from anyone, they're gifts and gifts that should be appreciated and gifts that were earned by hard work and labor. And so as Ephesians 5, 4 says, let there be thanksgiving. That's one of the 25 keys. Actually, it's number 19. We developed this if you haven't been here for the series Coming out of chapters 4 through 6 of Ephesians, 25 keys for good relationships. It says actually on the cover 24, but there's a bonus. There's 25. We believe in giving more than we advertise. 25 keys for good relationships. Number 19 is thanksgiving. Be grateful. Be appreciative. Be thankful. It's essential. What else about honor? Honor appreciates. Honor also doesn't dishonor. What that means is honor doesn't sass. Honoring your parents means you don't sass, you don't talk back, you don't yell, you don't argue, you don't curse, etc. Again, I go back in this passage to chapter 4, verse 29, where it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's number 9 on the list of keys here. Verse 31 in chapter 4 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and malice and clamor and slander be put away from you. Uh, That's no bad attitude. It's number 11 on here. 
Honor doesn't trash talk other people. The Bible calls that slander. We don't slander our parents to our friends or to other people. My parents are so stupid. My parents are this. My parents are that. That's not. We also don't do that to their face. That, by the way, is number 13 on the list. Honor also, it means that instead we talk good. We build them up. We encourage them. That's number 10 on the list. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Speak words that build up and encourage. Honor doesn't dishonor. Rather, it encourages. It builds up. Thirdly, honor aims to please. That means it goes this Slide comes second, but I'll start here. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A wise son brings gladness to his parents. That really is the aim of honor. It is to to bring joy, to bring gladness, to please others. What that says is that honoring our parents goes beyond obedience. It goes beyond merely doing what they require us to do. Clean your room. Okay. I'll clean my room, but I don't want to. Honoring cleans your room and then says, what else can I clean around the house to help out? That's what it means. How can I please my parents? By doing more. To live in a way that brings joy and honor to my family and my parents. Fourthly, honor gives. It aims to meet needs and help others, those whom it is trying to honor. So, it's interesting, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus uses this passage, He goes to this passage, actually to Exodus 20, to this command, honor your father and mother. And He uses that to expose the hypocrisy and the sin of Pharisees who are pretending to be self-righteous and saying they are good and godly people while what they have done is they have withheld money that their parents need. Their parents are elderly. Their parents are in desperate situation. And they're withholding money saying, we've devoted this money to God. Sorry, we can't help you. And Jesus says, that is wrong and it is sin. Honoring your parents means that you give to them whatever they need. You you look to help them to meet their needs. And if they need money, you give it to them because they deserve your honor. Honoring gives. So instead of just taking from your parents, honoring looks for how we can help and how we can give to them. It's a good time to point out how we noted that the command in verse in verse one here, children, obey your parents, was addressed to children. And we saw that the statute of limitations was when a child is no longer a child and is no longer obligated to obey their parents when they are no longer under the they're no longer under the authority because they are they are legally responsible for themselves and they are financially and physically responsible for their own care and caring for them and now they are not obligated to obey. This command, honor, has no such. When I look here and I go back to the command in Exodus 20, I notice that it is not addressed to children and there is no statute of limitations. 
We are to honor our parents from when the time we are the youngest child until the time that they are no longer alive. And even then we should honor them in their memory. Seek to live in a way that brings them honor. Because even as Jesus pointed out, this command here, Jesus used it and applied it to adults who had parents who were elderly. So, that brings us to this. We try to wrap it up. Why should I honor my parents? Here, God helps us out to give us some motivation by giving us a reason. We find the reason. Verse 2 goes on to say, Honor your parents, which is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise. We find it in verse 3. That it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Why should I honor my parents? When I read this as a kid, I always read this and I thought, what this is saying is that you won't die. That your parents will not kill you. But it goes beyond that. I think it includes that. Notice it says that it may go well with you. That's a key word. That you may enjoy. Here's what it's saying. Why should I honor my parents? So that you'll have a good life. It's not promising, by the way, here an idyllic life where you never have any problems, you never have any trouble, you never have any pain, you never have any needs. It's not saying that you honor your parents and all, you know, life is just a bowl of cherries or whatever. But what it is saying is that you will have a much better life than if you ignore or mistreat or rebel against and disobey your parents. Let me suggest a couple of reasons why this is true. First of all, you need wisdom. A few months ago, I was meeting with a young person, an older teenager, uh, who was struggling with obeying their parents. There was real tension in their home. As we were talking over lunch, I said, let me ask you a question. Why should you obey your parents? I wondered what their answer would be. And what they said is, well, because I'm a teenager and teenagers, we do stupid stuff and we need somebody to tell us no. I said, do you believe that? Yeah. Interesting. So then why aren't you listening to your parents? Why won't you obey them? I don't know. Um, I just don't want to. <laughs> and I'm like, duh. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 22 says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, <laughs> but the rod of discipline drives it from him. So that's the point, you know. Why should you obey your parents? Because we're stupid and we need somebody to tell us no. Why should you obey? Why don't you? I don't know. Exactly why God gave you parents. You need wisdom. And let me add to this. Unlike most voices in this world, most parents love their kids. And your parents probably love you. And they will genuinely have your best interests at heart. And most voices out there in this world don't. Secondly, second reason why it will produce a good life is 
Your home is God's school for you. See, God has put you into your home for a reason. He gave you your parents with all their flaws, with all their imperfections, with all their failures. God put you those, there with those parents so you will learn some lessons. The question is, are you going to learn them? If you will submit to your parents, God is going to use that in your life to build character qualities and relational skills in you that will pay off big rewards later in life and in marriage and in relationships. You will learn how to set aside your desires and yield to someone else when they are wrong. You need that one in marriage. You will need to learn you will learn how to respect and honor others when you don't feel like it and you'll need that in marriage, you'll need that in your job. You'll need to, you'll learn how to listen when you don't feel like it and you need that everywhere in life. You'll learn how to serve and how to love and how to care for others when you don't feel like it. And you'll need that every day of your adult life. You see, basically, it's everything that's in here. God wants to develop that in you and He puts you in school where you learn it and home is your school and the lessons are a lot easier to learn now than they are later on in life after you've developed a lot of bad habits and you have relationships that are falling apart because you've been an ignorant jerk because you didn't learn at home these things. That's why God gave you the parents that He gave you as flawed as they are. There's a second great benefit here. Not only a good life, he says that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It's not a guarantee that you'll live to 90. It's not saying how long you'll live, but rather what it is saying is that you won't have days that are cut short. Obedience to your parents will protect you from a life that is cut short by foolishness. Your parents, when you're little, they tell you don't play in the street because if you play in the street, your life may be cut short by stupidity, foolishness. Your parents tell you don't drive recklessly when you're a teenager because your life may be cut short by foolishness. Your parents tell you don't hang out with these people and these people and these kind of people because you don't think it's a big deal, but your parents understand Life can be cut short by foolishness. Or life can be cut short by rebellion. A rebellious lifestyle very often ends in a life that's cut short in prison or by death. Or even a life cut short by God. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, it says, There is a sin that leads to death. You know what those verses are saying? There's a time when God in heaven looks down at a person and says, That's it. I'm pulling you out of the game early. That's a big warning. In Scripture. So there we have it. A command to children. What does God want for you in building good relationships? He wants for you to obey your parents and to honor your father and mother. 
And there's good reasons here. I get it. Honoring your parents can be hard. It can be difficult. It can even be painful at times. But God makes some great promises here. And let me tell you, God always keeps His promises. I've been alive now for 66 years. I've been in ministry at this church now, I was reminded this morning, for 40 years. And we were in ministry before that. You know what? I have never yet had a person come up to me and say, an older person, come up and said, I wish I had disobeyed my parents more. I wish I had been more rebellious when I was young. Never heard of one. But I've heard plenty of regrets of people said, I wish I had listened to my mom and dad. There you go. A lot of us here this morning aren't kids. Why did we need to sit through this? Shouldn't we have preached this down in children's church downstairs? (laughs) And in youth group on Tuesday night? Well, yeah. And let me tell you, they say it down there. The reality is that a lot of the kids don't listen. Some of them can't read. So they're not going to read it in Scripture themselves. And a lot of them just need to hear it again and again. And they're not going to listen to their parents. What they need is they need some of us who come alongside grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, friends, just the guy who sits down the pew every Sunday from that kid. Just goes, you know, you've got great parents. You need to listen to them. They love you a lot. Our kids need to be encouraged by us. Because this is a big deal. Okay, kids, I know it was hard. But if you didn't like being talked to this morning, come back next week. Because next week, verse 4, we're going to talk to the parents. And they're going to get theirs. You don't want to miss that. Let's end. Father God, thank You. This is some challenging stuff. All of these things are. Because they hit us right where we live. Father, how we need to be encouraging our children. How our children need to be listening to their parents and obeying them. How all of us need to honor our father and mother. May we do that because it is good for us and because it honors you and because it benefits and blesses everybody else. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.